one of the famous meditations from his spiritual exercises, um, from St. Nation Loyola, is the meditation of the two standards. The standard of Christ and the standard of the Satan. It refers to the two kingdoms. A standard is a sign or a flag of the kingdom. This reality and ongoing battle is a fact in every life. God has a plan for your life. And it is good to ponder and try to follow the path he has shown, he has shown us. And, as we've read in, in Neil's book, Satan has a plan for your life. Have you thought much about what his plan is for your life? When I read that statement in the book, immediately the word destruction, as I told you before, came to mind. I remembered all the times that my life was in danger. I told you all that litany of different things that happened. It's a question that we need to, need to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit, what is Satan's plan for my life? You know, um, is, it, is it attacks? Is it calamities? Is it relationships? Is it temptations? You know, where is it? This plan is connected to the things that we need to obtain freedom from through deliverance. Because see, the enemy is working to those things that we're in bondage to. To try and destroy our life. To try and destroy our relationships. To try and destroy us. To make our life difficult. To make our life um, a burden. And so it's good to recognize those things. Because those are ways that he's working in our life. This plan is connected to the things that we, we need to obtain freedom from through, through deliverance. Many of you have been prayed with and may or may not have experienced something. This talk is usually, I used to give it in the morning, um, at, the, at the morning's mass. But I thought this year um, to give the repentance talk then, since you are going to go right into being prayed with. And so, <clears throat> um, to give you a little deeper understanding, experience of what the main keys of repentance is. So now this talk may affect you differently. It may summarize what you may have experienced. It may give you words and understanding for what you experienced in some degree or, or may experience on your own, like I did when I used the keys and when I use them now. Or it may give you some awareness of what you might expect and desire when you get, a, when you get prayed with again, perhaps in the future. Or when you pray the five keys by yourself sometime. We don't, it isn't that we, um, not everyone has a great experience. That's, that's just, that's kind of life. Some people have bigger experiences than others. Some don't have any. Some have them like I did much later. When I was getting prayed with Neil, I didn't have anything. It wasn't until weeks later, months later, that I experienced any freedom. You know, and so, uh, but God is working so don't think for a moment that because you didn't have some uh, life-changing experience in being prayed with that you didn't get anything. Because you did. You were prayed with. You were loved. You were cared for um, in, in, in a way that was, that was God's love coming to you as best as, as, uh, as we could receive. And so many different experiences of freedom. It doesn't really know. doesn't matter how often described as a feeling, perhaps, of, of lightness, of things being taken off her back, so to say. Um, often unaware until lifted, like a dental blanket, just like a pressure takes off, you know? That's somehow people, some people say that they actually, uh, they feel lighter, or they pressure off chest, they actually feel taller. You know, so, so those are thumbs, some things that they can experience, or how we can experience it. It's not always the same. It's different for everybody. Um, we kind of recognize what it is, and, and hopefully we kind of recognize where, where the bondage was that, 
would get set free that gave us that experience. Um, you know, one of the things I, I invite you just to think about as, as I give you this talk, basically, is, you know, one of the, one of the great things, that we, as we said this morning at the Mass, was Mary's um, Magnificat, when she proclaimed what God had done. And so, for those of you who had some experiences during this retreat so far, I'll, I'll invite you at the end of this talk to have a chance to come up and share maybe what God has done, what grace God has given you. Little, little, or big, either one is fine. And so, I just leave that invitation to you now. Essentially, we give ourselves to the Lord, and He is giving us what we need today. Today. It's our relationship with Jesus, the Son of God, that gives freedom from Him. We are set free for freedom, Galatians says, chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Freedom is fundamentally to, is fundamental to what it means to be human, um, to be in Christ. One of the main points of the powers of our souls is intellect, memory, and free will. That's really who we are as human beings. Um, we have that freedom, that freedom to choose. To choose freely, this is why we need deliverance, so that we can choose freely. Because the things in our life that keep us from choosing freely are those things we need to be set free from. What is freedom? Well, freedom is knowing the love of God. That's freedom. Some may already be free. You may not have much more freedom to get. You may be there. Some of us need more. Want to experience more of God's love. And also it's knowing that God has always loved you and that God has always treasured you. Now, if you felt some sense of God's love today in a special way, then you've experienced some freedom. And that's a great grace. That's a gift. Freedom is also belonging. You know, knowing your identity as a child of God. That's huge. That is like the biggest thing in the world um, is know who we are as made in God's image, as a child of God, our identity. You know, and I remember speaking with um, Monsignor uh, SF, who was um, uh, the, the priest exorcist I went and visited. And, and one thing he asked me was a very strange question. And he had a lot of little pointed questions that kind of spoke at me. Um, and one of them was, who are you? I said, well, I'm a priest. He goes, no, that's what you do. He says, who you are is a beloved son of God. He says, most priests and most people get it upside down. We live our identity as what we do. Parent, spouse, worker. And that's who we think we are. As opposed to seeing ourselves from the other direction, our identity is from who created us, that we are beloved sons and daughters of God. And from a lived relationship in that identity with God the Father as our loving Father, then we live out our identity in our mission of life as a spouse, as a worker, as a parent, as a sibling. That's how we live it. We live our relationship with God out. It means we live as a, as a beloved son and daughter in all those places. And so it's an it's it's important part for us to kind of grapple with. Who am I? Who am I? Do I really believe that I am that beloved son and daughter that God says I am? It's also belonging is also knowing that God is always present and always with you. He dwells in you. That's the huge thing that we as Catholics I think we forget. It's that God dwells inside of us. You know, Jesus Christ lives in us. He's alive. And he lives in you and I. You know, so he wants to work through you to do great things. 
He wants to work through you um, to bring peace to others, to bring the good news to others, to bring himself to others, to bring his love to others, to bring his forgiveness to others, to bring his freedom to others. He wants to work in us. We are his very, his very instruments. Knowing you belong to God and to a human family and a heavenly family. You know, one of the powerful moments of, of that, that very reality is what happened to me maybe several months after, after my little difficult encounters. Um, I was saying Mass at, um, at one of my, my mission parish. And I was saying the Mass. And, and you know, uh, one thing about the enemy is he's very subtle. Very, very subtle in the way he tempts us, in the way he tries to trick us also, which is his game. He is a liar. He's a deceiver. And I was offering Mass, and, and as that time would happen, many times thoughts and weird tacks and thoughts would come the very time of consecration. Well, this one was really even weirder because it was like this little whispering voice kind of saying, in a certain sense, somehow kind of nagging. You know, like maybe we as a child, maybe I was a little, say, Mama, Mommy, I want a cookie, I want a cookie. A cookie, and finally after a while, I say, "Okay, fine, take a cookie." Okay, I was at that point where this little nagging voice was actually wanting me to deny God and to worship Him, and it was so subtle, so twisted. And by the grace of God, I was able to stop. And that was totally God's grace, and continue on. But it was—is you know—you're double distracted, triple distracted. You know, you, you can't quite say what's going on. There's too many voices coming at you, and you're just trying to want to get rid of some of them. Okay, that's where I was. After Mass, or at the end of Mass, after Communion, I took the, the, the ciborium and put it in the, in the tabernacle, kind of like that, kind of high like that, um, at a big altar. Um, and I remember kneeling after I had the doors open to genuflect before. I remember this voice coming out over the top of my head. He belongs to me. He belongs to me. This has been a great blessing when struggles and doubt and fear rise in my heart. I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. We all, you belong to him, belong to Jesus. Not just me. You belong to him. You belong to Jesus Christ, God himself. What's what's the scripture say? St. Paul says, while we were all sinners, he died for us. Psalm 100 Verse verse 3 says, which I truly love, He made us, and we belong to Him. We are the sheep of His pasture. He made us. We belong to Him. He made us. We belong to Him. That's who we are, beloved sons and daughters of God. We belong to Him. The psalmist tells us. God tells us. We belong to Him. You know, that belonging is such a powerful part of our life, you know. And sometimes this world, the things we should give us belonging don't. You know, sometimes they don't. You know, another thing happened that same little parish. It was a very small parish and like 15 families, okay, or 12, whatever there was. Um, and, and so I'd have a Christmas, I'd have a, an, an evening mass, and I still had the morning mass. Well, this year I get over there, that, that year, and uh, I go back to, I don't know what year it was, maybe a couple years later. But I get there, and it's Christmas morning Mass. It's like, I don't know what it was, 11 o'clock or something. I go in, set up for Mass, raise our Mass. Not a single person came to Christmas morning Mass. You know what that feels like? It's like having your Thanksgiving meal made for 50 people, and nobody shows up at your house and doesn't tell you they're not coming. You know? Could you even imagine that? 
and not even your, not even your husband or, or, or wife or anybody is like, there it is. Okay, it's all here. Where's everybody at? But that was a, that was a crushing blow. You know, it was like, wow. You know, it was just like, so I'm just like, there, going, really? <laughs> wow, look at this. You know, and, and it was a, it was a, a very uh, dispirited moment, you know, um, and one that was very, very, very challenge, great challenge. I remember staring out at the empty pews, you know, sitting on the front steps of the church, of the sacristy, you know, or the sanctuary. You know, um, it helped to realize um, something that happened, you know, as I finally says, okay, I'm still going to offer Mass. And I stood up to start off a Mass. And it just had this spiritual sense of, like, the doors opening and, like, just people coming in. It wasn't people. It was, like, my relatives, people from heaven, part of the family. We're not alone, you know? Maybe our family here doesn't connect. Maybe our family here hasn't given us the belonging that we all need and deserved. But you know what? Our life isn't just here. Our family is also beyond. Our family in heaven is also there. You know, and, and that reality is one to give us strength and to give us support. The fact that we're not alone. We're not alone no matter how bad things seem to be in our life. You know, we have ones who love us, the saints, the angels, our, our relatives who have gone before us. You know, they care. They care. And they're praying for us. You know, the veil between us and the other side is very sheer. It's a one-way veil. They can see through it. We can't. But it's very sheer. And they're very close to us. And that's something we should never forget, no matter how difficult or trying or how wonderful life is, is we have our family is much bigger than this world. Freedom is life in the Son of God. We identify with Jesus as Lord and as Savior. You know, when they ate the fruit and swallowed the lie, Adam and Eve, about God's intention and his goodness, you know, the lies distorted the perspective of who God is. Adam and Eve were forced to hide their shame, losing their amazing intimacy with God. You know, they ran away into the, into the garden. It says God couldn't. They were afraid of Him. They were ashamed. You know, <clears throat> the voice of God whispers to us in many ways. It whispers our identity to us. In the beginning, God talked with Adam and Eve and walked in the eve of the day. It says He would come and go hang out with His kids in the garden. You know, in the eve of the day, cool of the night, He He come down and talk to them. What a great thing. Can you imagine that of God? Can you even imagine that? How that'd be like? You know, there's a, Neil gives a great example. I love sharing it because it was so, it was just touched my heart. You know, it's just like God's walking through the garden with Adam and Eve, you know, um, before they sin. And he's going, yeah, Adam, take a look. Take a look at that one over there. That one's got like a hundred legs. Or maybe Adam says that to God, you know, and, and he says, yeah, that's nothing. Look at this one over here. It's got like a thousand legs, you know. You know, but there's this sense of, of, of a father walking with his kids, you know. This is how God was with Adam and Eve, you know. He loved them. He loved to spend time with them, you know? And just to think about that, that way that God, wa- God was before it got broken apart um, by sin, by the lie of Satan, that God wasn't a good father, a lie. You know, the relationship with God as a loving father was, in a sense, ripped away from their soul, no longer the same until Jesus came to restore it. You know, there's a rip there of that relationship, and it was never got the same. After that, until Jesus came to restore our relationship with the, with the Father. Because he came to reveal the Father's love. That's what he came to do. To restore us, reconcile us with the Father, so that we again could be what we, were, what we are. Beloved sons and daughters of God, the Father. Deliverance breaks the power of the lies. Um, 
you know, so many times. Like I expressed, you know, the lie that I had about Satan being more powerful than God. You know, his deliverance breaks that. It shatters it. You know, these lies start in Eden, that God was not a good father, that he was not a loving father, as Neil talked about in the, in the CD also. The voice of the God is restored because we see the true identity of who we truly are. And we hear because we also believe in our identity. And the destiny has been revealed to us in Jesus calling us that we are his beloved sons and daughters. It's like the God the Father spoke to, spoke to, to Jesus. You know, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Every thought that God has for us, for you and I, is a treasure, a blessing. And what was the Father's thought toward you on the day you were, you were born? On the day you were conceived, even? You know, do you ever realize, I, sometimes I'll tell this to young couples getting married, you know, do you realize that in the moment that your child was conceived, the moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb, that all of the universe was changed for eternity? Because something came into existence that never before existed and would exist, would exist forever. The entire universe was changed forever. The moment you were conceived. Never again will your soul disappear. You'll always be part of this universe, part of all creation. But before that, you didn't exist. And so at your conception, the gift of life, a person comes into existence and has changed the universe forever. What an amazing thing that is. How amazing it is, the gift of life that we have. We come under his authority and reign. We live as his disciples. You know, we live as his disciples. We live as his disciples and follow him. Jesus is tied to, to sonship. Jesus restores the relationship with the Father. You know, he wants to reveal that to us. You know, one of the things that, that um, Monsignor Esther also told me is, is, is uh, you know, he kind of beat me up, actually. <laughs> but it was a good experience because I've learned lots from it. He said, you know, you're too proud to even ask your father for help. How many times do you pray to God the Father? You know, we don't, do we? How many times do you just call? What, is, what, is, what does Jesus say in Luke's gospel? He says, you who are sinful and know how to give your children good things, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know? Everything was about what the Father wants to give us. And yet he shares so much with us. And so it, it, was, it was amazing, amazing reality that, you know, Jesus says over and over again, I only do what the Father's, what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. He told Philip, have I been with you so long that you not know, see, when you see me, you see the Father? He says it over and over and over again, that he comes to reveal the Father's love. He comes to reveal the Father. So who God the Father is. Remember the lie that Satan said about God the Father? Well, this is what Jesus comes to undo. You know, on this, uh, there's a book called Insinu Yezu, if you've ever seen it or not. Uh, it's a very, very powerful, powerful book. Um, and it's, um, uh, our bishop gave it to us all a couple years ago. You know, and, and one of the, this is a, a, Jesus is speaking to a priest in Ireland and basically for the renewal of the church and renewal of the priesthood. And he has this there, about, really it's about adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. He says, allow me to guide you into the way of total filial, means family, dependence. Upon my Father in all things, and for all, and for and and for all things, this would be the expression of my life, my filial life in you, my family life in you. I would have you look at, to the Father in every need, trust the Father in every adversity, depend upon the Father 
in every weakness. Thus will you glorify my Father, and thus will I glorify him in you. See, Jesus wants us to glorify the Father, and Jesus wants to glorify the Father in us. What an amazing thought. My Father's goodness and love remain hidden from so many souls. They have not understood that I came into the world to reveal my Father, who is all love, and to draw souls to him in filial confidence and in the joy of abandonment to his goodness. Love our Father. Trust our Father. Depend upon our Father in every weakness. After having spoken with Monsignor about this, I kind of tried to take that to heart a little bit. One day I came back to the parish, it was Corpus Christi, and some people were supposed to have set up all the altars. We have external outdoor altars we did in my, my last parish, and it's like the afternoon before Mass, I'm going, well, like there's nobody doing anything here. <laughs> Who's going to do all this? Um, I don't even have the tools. Okay? And so I, go, I just like going, wow, Father, I need help. I need somebody to help set up all these altars. So I walked out of the house after saying that prayer, and about two seconds before I walked out, walked out across the, the, the parking lot and came down this alley. And there's two young men walking down the alley. They're from Ukraine. No, they weren't part of the scandals or anything. They're from Ukraine. And they, they work on, a, they're, they're exchange students working on a, on, a, on a hog farm. And I says, hey, they walk up, hey, Father, what are you doing? It says, I go, well, guys, you know what? I need some help. Could you help put these things? Yeah, we'll take care of it, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, the answer was like that, you know. And so I began to trust more in the Father, more in the Father's love, more in the Father's goodness, you know. And, uh, and we all can do that. We all need to do that. Remember I told you about the Eucharistic prayer, number three, 38 times in four minutes I address, we address God the Father. You know, did you realize that when you offer Mass, that we're offering Jesus in the priest, is offering himself to the Father? That's what the Mass is all about, is offering it to the Father. You know, and we've been going, I, there was a gentleman in my parish, 80 years old, and said, Father, I've been Catholic all my life. I never knew that. Most of us probably may not. But we do now. The truth that leads to the free, inner freedom because of the Father. John 8, 31, 37. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will, we will become free? Jesus answered them, saying, Amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son always remains. And if a son frees you, then you will truly be free. Our identity is the heart of the Father. You know, really ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit, our Blessed Mother, to help you accept the grace of knowing who and you what your identity is. Jesus says in 1 John chapter 3, See what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God? Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Satan is the father of lies. John eight forty four. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks in character because he is a liar the father of lies. So we have God the Father who calls us his children, and we have the liar who always speaks in lies. Satan hates God for giving us our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God and wants to destroy it, just like he tried to do with Adam and Eve. You know, this idea of being unwanted, 
you know, is, is, a, is, a, is a harmful thing that hurts so, so many people. You know, and, and one of the things going through, um, um, the, uh, again, the, the, the workbook that, you, that, that we have, the spiral bound one, you know, one of the questions in there is, is what's the lie that you've, Satan has believed, given you or so? What's the lie that you're holding on to? And so I asked the Holy Spirit, what's the lie I'm holding on to? You know, when you ask the Holy Spirit powerful questions, he answers like that, you know. And all of a sudden this word pops in, unwanted. I'm going, what are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean by that? You know, and, and slowly I started to let it kind of, kind, of, kind, of, kind of stew in my mind for a little bit. I'm going, oh, yeah, all these little memories start coming back up. You know, I remember when, when Dad said this about when I was conceived. I remember this happened, and I remember this happened. My mom had degenerative nerve disease. And after I was born, she went downhill pretty fast. You know, and all these things started to come up about the situation and realizing that, wow, wow, that must have been really hard for them at that time because they knew how mom was getting this disease and I was a burden to them. And wow, oh my goodness. You know, and it was, it was kind of shattering for a moment. And I just asked, God, show me the truth. Lord, show me the truth. You know, what was the truth? You know, that was I mean, the night before, afternoon before. And the next morning, I got up. And sometimes God likes to speak in odd places and odd times. I think I was taking a shower. I don't know what it was. It was something. I was doing something in the morning. And, and it was like, all of a sudden, it was like, I was there back home. Um, and, you know, we had an old farmhouse and you had to walk through my mom and dad's bedroom to get to the bathroom, you know, and it was like, God was there, you know, it was like God, the father was there. And it was like, it was like the day I was to be conceived. And it was like God, the father overlooking and choosing me, choosing the seed that would become me, you know, and even the genetic combinations of the egg and the, and the, and, and the sperm is like several billion different combinations that can happen, you know, and God choosing me out of the millions or billions of people that could have existed. And it was just like it had this absolute conviction that no, I was chosen by God. At that moment, he chose me. At that moment, he chose you. Knowing everything that you would ever do, knowing everything fault that you would have, knowing every trial you would go through, knowing everything you would ever do, good and bad, and he still chose you because he loves you absolutely and totally out of the millions, if not billions of combinations that could have happened in that moment of conception. He chose you, exactly you. The greatest reality is that you are a child of his choice and he never stops speaking to you or loving you. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and announce the good news of the kingdom. You know, devil's greatest deception, as he says, it's not, not that God doesn't really exist, but he's not a good father. You know, breaking this lie um, allows the loving word of the father to, to begin to fill the void of our soul. As one priest said one time, to fill the gaps in our life with God the Father's love. You know, that's really what a blessing. You know, so Jesus' greatest work was destroying the power of the enemy of his lies, and showing us who the Father truly is. His mission was to reveal the Father's love and to bring us to the Father. That's what happens in Mass. Jesus announced the reign of the kingdom of God and taught us to pray for it. We have a new king, Jesus, and he is good. We are invited to live under his rule and be free. 
Jesus was clear about his mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to bring, proclaim liberty, freedom to captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and let the oppressed go free. We have been given authority to carry this out. Disciples continued Jesus' work of healing, deliverance. A large number of people from the towns, Acts chapter 5, in the vicinity of Jerusalem, also gathered, bringing sick and, and those disturbed by unclean spirits, and they were all cured. All were healed. We are instructed by Jesus to go out and do the same. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18, he said to them, Go into the whole world, proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Knew an old hermit, I told you about, mentioned once before, I think. When he read that, he believed it. He says, God said it. That means I can do it. And so he'd walk around and he'd heal people's arms, their broken arm. And he'd heal this. And he could see demons in people. And so he'd drive them out. He just says, God said it. So it's got to be true. I'm going to do it. There's no, no second guessing. Just said, God said it. Therefore, it's true. Therefore, I can do it. Bam. And he did it for the glory of God. It wasn't him. He knew that. It was God doing that. But he says, we can do that. We have that authority. We must be good stewards of authority. Authority from God. We are his ambassadors. For Christ, St. Paul tells us. In sinning, we gave up our, our God-given authority in this world. In rejecting God, we gave our authority to another. The purpose of this conference is freedom, so that you can give it to others. Okay? You give it to others. Claim it for yourself and share it with others. This is the whole purpose and the beautiful gift that he gives us. It's part of evangelization, as Neil said, to reclaim our identity and live under the authority of God. You know, um, so I'm going to invite you to do a couple things, you know, um, before we close up. One is just simply this, is um, I think we'll do it first. I'm going to invite you to come on up, and uh, if you have any, 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 anything you'd like to share about uh, what, you got, you've ex- what you received from God so far in this retreat or you're being prayed with, you know, come on up. Um, now, there's one way to tell who's being called first. If your heart's really thumping really fast, that means the Holy Spirit is saying, you're the one. So whoever's heart's pumping really fast, uh, come on up. I guess for me, it's just realizing that it's not what I do that's going to change me or release me from um, difficulties, but that it's myself just allowing God to do that and to be open to his work in my life and to be prayerful and make myself available for that. So... Less of me, more of God. So I'm going to cry because that's what I do. Um, I was um, able to do Unbound with my Bible study group about a year ago. And it was in that um, time that I um, realized that I had to forgive my dad. And so that's, you know, and I did. Um, I'm a very slow learner, so I have am back <laughs> again. Um, but I think what really hit me is after I walked out of my Bible study class and we had done the forgiveness, and I was walking out and it was like 
God, I'm not getting this. I don't know, you know, what, what is this, you know, what are you trying to do? So I went to work, um, and I was actually at health club and I was going to teach a CPR class. So I was carrying all the mannequins up. Um, I got stuck in this elevator with this one gentleman and it was just he and I, and then like six mannequins and, um, the elevator was like really small. And he said, I said to him, just, I mean, God called and said, I said to this gentleman, I said, so how was your workout today? And he said, not so good. And I said, well, that happens. He stopped. He took to me and he said, you look like a godly woman. Would you pray with me? And I'm looking around going, is there somebody else in this elevator? <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, is it because I have these mannequins and it looks like I'm going to, you know, save mannequins. So what happened was we hopped off the elevator. We're in the middle of the health club. People are coming and going. I'm crying. He's crying. And everything that I had learned that day about forgiveness, God just came right out of my mouth. And it was, it was not only for this gentleman, but it was for me. And I tell you, it's, it's been wonderful. But I want you to know that that was just the beginning layer that there are many, many, many more layers, and um, I'm, I'm still a slow learner. And I, you know, this time there's more stuff that's come out, stuff that I've lived with for um, shame, and, you know, it's on the way my drive down. I was listening to a video, and it's called um, Are You Just Playing Church? And, yeah, I was just playing church. And I needed this extra level to come to come through. So, you know, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep searching. And I've had the ability to do prayer ministry with people at my church, but it wasn't complete. I think now it will be a little more complete. I still have a lot of work to do. Uh, so my uh, my dad died when I was two. And um, obviously that uh, left a deep wound of fatherless and, and everything that goes with that. And uh, um, for me too, this was my second time being ministered to through Unbound. And I've worked through a lot of different things. And uh, what I was sharing with the team in the beginning, I fully know and believe that I'm a beloved child of God. I, I fully know that. I, I, mean, I understand that. Uh, but I don't feel it. Um, and there's a disconnect between what I know and what I feel. <clears throat> so we were going through some different things, and and then toward the end, what kind of God revealed to me and to the prayer team that uh, because I've renounced so many different things, you know, over the last few months and through a, a long inner healing journey, that that there was a lie, very subtle lie, that because my dad was not around, there is no way for me to really feel God's unconditional love for me. And there was also another lie that because um, my dad was not around, I cannot be a present loving dad to my kids. And even though my mind knew that these were lies uh, or didn't think that way, I think the lies were more affecting my heart 
So I think today I started a journey of healing of the heart, and I pray uh, it doesn't take too long. So my heart wasn't beating before, but then it started, so I figured I had to do it. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was beating, but you know what I mean. Um, And as you can see, I'm no longer a teen, but I brought my 17-year-old daughter there that night, and they did this renouncing thing, um, like what we did. And um, anyway, um, sorry, I'm not going to cry. I'm not a crier, but I just have to breathe. (laughs) And um, it was absolutely amazing because um, I had read a few chapters of the book, you know, and I'm trying to, I have a million things at home, and so I'm trying to just read, you know, and um, anyhow, um, I felt after this renouncing that, um, Mary, don't look at me like that, because (laughs) the... um, I felt like there was like this crystal. It sounds really weird because I'm not into any new agey thing or anything. But like my soul, I always pictured it as being right here. And instead of being all cloudy and heavy, it was like it was light. Does that make sense? Does that sound weird? You know, and so, um, and I felt like I could breathe again after this renouncing thing at the teen teen thing. And um, so I'm just really excited for everything that's happening. And um, I'm glad that we have a toolbox because I've been to so many retreats. And then when I go home, there's just like this huge letdown. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you, um, you're living on like one plane and then you go home and you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these dishes, there's all these kids. There's, you know, and so we have this teal- toolbox that we can keep when the devil keeps trying to lie to us that we can... We don't need the prayer team. We need, in the name of Jesus, you know, that we can keep praying. Anyhow. Uh, My heart also started thumping. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of funny that you use that. um, I don't know, uh, with Family Missions Company, the Martins would teach us that. So I've actually been the one saying that before. It's a lot easier to say it. Then when you're the one in the pew and then your heart starts, <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, I've been the one saying that before. But, um, yeah, um, overall, just I've been very grateful to just be here and just to be able to be introduced to Unbound. I just uh, I barely read the book just in September. Um, it was introduced to me by my girlfriend. And just, um, yeah, my conversion was about four years ago uh, beforehand, just like a lot of I was definitely I like, didn't do my first communion and my confirmation until four years ago. Before, beforehand, I was like the complete opposite kid. I was like in a lot of new ageism. I was like into a lot of drug abuse, like just completely different kid. And um, I've already had like a lot of healing, a lot with my conversion and things like that. But um, I just think the, the biggest thing is like something I've always known is just like the battleground is in our mind. But just like growing up or just like, I don't know, I, would, I, I knew I was a son of God. But, like, they always say, like, it's the head to the heart. Like, that's a lifetime journey, you know? But just, like, after I got prayed over it and just, like, was able to just renounce those things, just renounce those lies, that just, like, I've noticed over time 
And I remember even just saying that, like, that's just my, that's just my way of thinking. Like, that's just me now. Like, just the, just the lies of just, like, maybe I'm defective or, you know, not good enough or unwanted or just, like, you know, just a little bit less than or just, like, um, that, I think that's the biggest lie is just, like, because of those things, I still had some baggage I would carry, you know, just, like, mentally. Just, like, those things mess with your chemicals. I was young. I was irresponsible. And just I would always think that I was defective, you know. Like, I was the son of God. I could do his mission. I could do his work. But I was always going to be defective. And just, like, that was just so huge for me. And just, like, I knew that. That like, wasn't true. But just after being able to renounce those things and just be prayed over, just, like, complete peace. Just, I can't explain it. I'm just, like, so peaceful. You know, just that peace of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all understanding. And just, like, it's just, like, it's so crazy because it's something that's so simple. It's something that's so small. But it's like, we know it, but it's like, I hear it all the time. But it's like, do I actually believe that? And just like, by the grace of God, like, I'm, I'm beginning to believe that a lot more. And just like, I can just so much just feel seen and just loved by the Father. But I love how it's also just like a toolbox. Because like you said, it's not just that it's just one experience and then it's done. It's like, I know the devil's going to continue to try to attack me with these things later on. Or, or things will come up, but it's this, I have this toolbox that I can... I can be more aware of just this battleground that's in my mind and could be like, no, like you don't have control here. You don't have a territory anymore. Like this belongs to Jesus and like this is his truth. So. I have received <clears throat> blessing from this and something that up until coming here this weekend, I just have been so emotional and um, moments of just sobbing because I'm so over being angry and just to the point of rage, uh, you know, things that have happened in my life or in marriage and family. And I've got four kids and <clears throat> my biggest motivation is for my, you know, to bring as a gift to my husband and to my kids by doing this work, because God knows that we cannot change people. <laughs> we cannot change our spouse. We cannot change our kids. The best we, thing we can do is to change ourselves and grow <clears throat> in accordance with Christ, God's will. And so I'm excited to continue to do that. And yeah, this is only the beginning, the first layer. So I could just, in our prayer session, I could just see layers of an onion just coming apart to where there's nothing. And that was an imagery that came to my heart. So prayers for all of us. Thank you. I found out today that um, I let the loss of my father 14 16 years ago, talk about being a slow learner, go unhealed. And with that void, bad things got in. And I'm going to stop there because I can't go any further. Thank you. Thank you, all of you who shared. And thank you, all of you who didn't, because... God is still working in all your lives, and that's it's awesome to have that, to have those sharing because that's that's part of how we grow. It's part of how we kind of claim our graces also, and those are beautiful things to do. So don't be afraid of that to anybody. You know, you want to think about um, at least a moment, maybe tonight, tomorrow, is what are you going to say to people? Ask you, wow, what was that like? 
you know, uh, you, you need to get kind of a little, a little, a little something in your head to say, what did you experience here? You know, what did you find here? Was it hope? Was it, uh, what was it, you know? And so just give yourself uh, a few, a few, one, one, one or two thoughts that you can share with other people. You know, when they ask you, uh, you, were, well, you went to a retreat, really, what was it about? You know, what'd you get out of it? You know, it's a good thing to do before you leave a retreat is just kind of say, what am I going to tell people about this? And so that's a great way to go. I'm going to ask you something different. I haven't, well, I've done it once, once twice before, but not at this retreat. Um, so I'm asking everybody to stand. Now, what I'm going to do is, you know, sometimes we, um, we can help people in many different ways. You know, like I said, Jesus lives inside of you, okay? He lives in you. And so one of the ways is just to, you know, I think one of the ways of showing Christian love, you know, what is love? Love is one who is good for the other person. That's simply what the definition of love, St. Thomas Aquinas, to, to will the good for another, okay? To will the good for another. And so one way of doing that is how do I will the good for another person? Well, I want God to do something good for them. And what's the good that they need? You know, and I ask God to do that good. Okay? So what that means is, is get groups of two or three, okay? And I'm just going to ask you to, to ask the person, you know, if you don't know their name, you can, just can I put my hand on your shoulder? Okay? Or what is it that you'd like Jesus to do for you now? You know, whether that be uh, to give me peace, or would that be to um, help me with this situation, or would that be to heal my sprained ankle? You know, that's okay. No matter what it is, physical, spiritual, if it's physical things, you say, you know, if spiritual things or whatever, you can say, Jesus, please help help them with this struggle. Please, Jesus, help, give them, give them peace. Or, and just, and, or maybe, it's, maybe it's an ankle. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, ankle be healed. Okay, it's very simple. You say, in the name of Jesus, give them this. And what's on their heart? What are, they, what are they looking for? What do they need right now? Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a, an ailment. Maybe it's something. So it's just a moment to take just for a few minutes um, to basically you can do that with each other um, and just to allow yourself to share the gift of giving God's love to someone as a Christian. You know, just saying, what, how can, what, would, you want, what would you like God Jesus to do for you? And then just ask Jesus, please give them this. Please heal this. Whatever it is. Okay? 